0: Our reading comes from Proverbs chapter 15. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commands knowledge, but the mouth of a fool gushes folly. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. A fool spurns his father's discipline, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. The house of the righteous contains great treasure, but the income of the wicked brings them trouble. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, so the hear- not so the hearts of fools.'" So our sermon this morning is Wisdom with Words, um, and that will be brought to us by Etienne. Uh, for you that don't uh, haven't met Etienne yet, Etienne de Vilsum is from Pathway to Life uh, Reformed Church in Devonport, and we welcome him bringing the sermon this morning. Thank you very much, Etienne. Thanks, David, and good morning, everyone. Um, let me start by saying two things. Firstly, thank you for the opportunity. We, um, we love the idea uh, at Perfect Life and I'm sure you too and Julian and I of lovingly partnering in the Gospel and preaching and teaching and, and, and doing stuff together. And so this morning is just fantastic that we get to do that and, uh, and, and I think it's a real mark for the future. Hopefully that we can uh, participate and join together as we, as we work Uh, in this place where God has put us and we're certainly thrilled at that idea. Secondly, I just want to say to the young people, I know a lot of you are on rosters doing sound and singing and reading and that is so cool. Uh, You know what? Good on you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for how you participate in leading this church and, you know, I'm just, I pick it up, I saw it and it's great. Thank you and awesome. Good on you. Keep it up. Um, and the old people, too, by the way. everyone else. Everyone, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, words. You've heard that we are starting with words today, um, the topics that we're going to tackle all from Proverbs over the next four weeks. I think today is the first one for you, and, and then three more to come. We're going to talk about what does proverbs have to say to us about the future, about self-control, money. Uh, and words. And Today, you've already heard, we'll talk about wisdom with words. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words cannot hurt me. What a load of rubbish. You know, we say that, we said that as kids, we kind of know that. But it's not true, is it? Anyone who's been alive for only a short length of time, would know that words possess immense power. In fact, uh, the Christian faith is huge about this issue. You know, it was, when you really want to think about it, the fact that we as humans possess the ability to speak. We we, we can articulate words, concepts, ideas. That's probably, if anything, the one thing that sets us aside uh, from anything else in the created order is that we can do that. There's something about words that are powerful. God creates the world, the Gospel holds. By speaking, God said, let it be, and it was. Uh, Jesus comes as the expression of God, come to be with us and he's introduced as the Word of God. God does not give us an image, a symbol or anything. Words, Word, 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 Word. God is so big about words. The Bible is God's Word to us and Proverbs the book that we're digging into for this series, has about 90 Proverbs that speaks about words. It's the single most often talked about subject in all of Proverbs. It talks more about our usage of words and how we speak than it talks about anything else, about money, about uh, our lifestyle, uh, about anger, our emotions. Words is the thing it's most passionate about. So today... Here's what I want to do. Uh, obviously, we cannot cover 90 Proverbs dealing with words today. I'm simply going <laughs> to touch on a few that Ellie read to us. There's a few that come up there. We'll pick at them today and then that's it. So the first one is Proverbs 15 verse 1. We read this. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Let's have a look at this little video clip and then I'll hop back up. Thanks Drew and Josh. You pretend to be Joy. What? Okay. Um, hmm. It was fine, I guess. I don't know. Oh, very smooth. That was just like Joy. Something is definitely going on. She's never acted like this before. What should we do? We're going to find out what's happening, but we'll need support. Signal the husband. Ahem. With a nice pass on. Looking at us. Uh, hey, well, Oh, uh, sorry, sir. No one was listening. Is it garbage night? Uh, we left the toilet seat up. What? What is it, woman? What? Uh, he's making that stupid face again. I could strangle him right now. Signal him again. Ah, so Riley, how was school? Oh. Are you kidding me? For this, we gave up that Brazilian helicopter pilot. Move. I'll be joy. School was great. All right. Riley, is everything okay? Uh, Sir, she just rolled her eyes at us. What is her deal? All right, make a show of force. I don't wanna to have to put the foot down. No, not the foot. Riley, I do not like this new attitude. Oh, I'll show you attitude No, 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 stay happy. What is your problem? Just leave me alone. Sir, reporting high levels of sass. Take it to DEFCON 2. You heard that, gentlemen? DEFCON 2. Listen, young lady, I don't know where this disrespectful attitude came from. You want a piece of this, pop? Come and get it! Yeah, well, well... Here it comes. Prepare the foot. Keys to safety position. Wait to launch on your command, sir. Just ah! shut! Oh! Fire! That's it. Go to your room. Now. Ah. Foot is down. The foot is down. Yeah. Good job, gentlemen. That could have been a disaster. Well, that was a disaster. I don't know if anyone's seen Inside Out. Um, maybe by a show of hands, anyone seen the movie Inside Out. Please do watch it. And watch it with your kids. It's a brilliant uh, uh, description just of, you know, the four characters you saw there, the emotions that we have in our head, anger, joy, fear, sadness, and and how they work together and then develop in the teenage brain of the the girl that was in the the little clip that I showed. Uh, And why I showed it was, I guess, that scene just depicts, I think for me, a little bit what this proverb is all about. The two little red characters, or the red character in everyone's head represents that emotion of anger that is in all of us. And the temptation that we have in conversation, how often, is to <laughs> tame that little red guy. You know, it just flares up in there. And and in that conversation, we saw that um, they are the main players in that conversation between between Riley, the girl, and her dad. And and it's 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 all about anger. And Proverbs wants to tell us that you know a, a gentle answer, how we use words, and obviously that stems from a deeper place within us, to what extent we can control our anger, often determines whether a conversation or whether a relationship is marked by conflict, disaster, destruction or whether a relationship or a conversation is going to be constructive, helpful. You know, we can look at that little scene there and say, well, who won there? Well, no one won. There wasn't a, a winner. There's no, there's no victory there. And it's the way with anger. It's the way uh, uncontrolled anger often goes. Proverbs tells us the way we use words can determine the outcome of anger. A gentle answer turns away wrath. How you respond to someone who comes to you who is aggravated, who is angry, who wants to have it in with you is going to determine whether that relationship will survive, whether that relationship will be built or whether it will be torn down. Now, I don't want to venture too far out of my my field here which is that of scripture and, and theology and so forth, but I do want to be practical this morning. Often, you know, with these proverbs, we need to put them to practice with some practical advice. What is a gentle answer to someone who comes to me who is really ticked off and who wants to have a fight, even if they're unreasonable? How, how do I deal with that? How do I practically handle um, anger-filled conflict in, in relationships that I have, with, perhaps with my children, with my spouse, with colleagues at work, uh, my neighbour across the fence, what are some practical advice? How, how do I turn away wrath? What is a gentle answer in some ways that I, that I can give to some of these things? Gary Chapman, uh, the man who wrote, uh, I think, the, the Love Languages book, uh, he gives some practical advice. Some, and I'm going to go through them. There's seven steps of how do you kind of avoid conflict to the point where things just completely derail like it did in the movie. So I'll get the slide pulled up behind me and I'm just going to quickly work through it. When someone comes to you and they are extremely upset and angry, how do you respond? What's what's a possible take for a gentle answer? Well, seven steps. It sounds a lot, seven, but really the first three are all the same. So it's pretty easy. First, listen. Don't straight away engage. Listen. Just, you know, tell me how you... See the problem. What's upsetting you? Why are you upset? And then, step number two, listen again. You know, not repeat to me again, but tell me a little bit more. Why do you think you see it that way? Uh, Can I ask a follow-up question? Flesh it out a little bit. And if that's not enough, go for a third time, Gary Chapman says. Maybe that's from an angle, okay, can I try and... Summarise what you just said to me. Can I just to make sure that I've got this right? You know, the purpose of this as a gentle answer is it immediately says to that person, I want to hear you. I, I care about what you think and how you see this. Let me let me listen to you. Um, spend a lot of time on that. Usually by now, an angered person is going to start coming down the wrath that Proverbs is talking about is going to start to dissipate already. This, this aggravated person is going to say, he or she cares about what I see and how I feel and what I think. So the deep breaths will start to usually kick in. And then we move on to a fourth step. Gary Chapman says, put yourself in their shoes. Would I be angry if I was in the same situation? Keep in mind that at this point, if you're the one listening to a really angry person, it's not yet about whether they're right or wrong. They may be completely wrong. <laughs> they may be completely selfish. They may be completely out of line. But still, given how they see it, ask yourself if I saw the situation as they saw it, would I be angry or not? Just just to walk the mile in their shoes, if you like. And then you can go to step number five express your understanding. Tell them that if you were in their shoes, if you saw the situation as, as, as they see it, you'd also be angry, you'd also be upset. And then if it's necessary, move on to step number six. Can I tell you, can I tell you how I see it? Maybe here are some things that you haven't thought of yet. Would that be okay if I, if I just give you my insight or just some more light on what we're discussing? By now, this person's calmed down, hopefully. Hopefully, there's a constructive conversation where, where, where that person's receptive and says, yeah, sure, actually, I would like to hear how you see it. Um, tell me. Let's, let's open this up a little bit. And if it's necessary, well, usually is necessary, step number seven, admit your part. Okay, I can see how I could have helped you earlier. I understand that I didn't quite catch you thank you for telling me that I, what I thought you were upset about is not actually what I thought you were upset about. I should have listened <laughs> a bit carefully earlier. You get what I'm saying. There's, there's lots of steps. There's a lot that can go into a conversation like that, perhaps following these steps, perhaps other steps, that the Proverbs are telling us will determine a radically different outcome than if we launch headlong into words of self-defence, self-justification, pointing out the errors in the other party's uh, a thought or, or what grits us, a gentle answer proverbs tells us is going to turn away wrath, but a harsh word guaranteed stirs up anger That's the first proverb that we encounter today. The second one is this: The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes. Folly. I'm just going to read that again. The tongue of the wise adorns, or I think it says, commends knowledge. Uh, the the Hebrew word is is in the more literal sense, adorns. It makes it look beautiful. Knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. I want you to quickly think back over your life for me for a second. Um, when was the last time where you had a difficult decision to make? What was right, what was wise wasn't quite as obvious to you. You kind of had to dig deep and think hard about what was the right thing to do. You know, whether it was to do with a relationship, whether it was to do with uh, a job, some subjects you had to choose at school, a church decision. Uh, whatever it may be, you know, just think about that, where you were really uncertain of what you should do. I'm willing to bet that as you wrestled with that, there was a person in your life, I hope, I dearly hope and trust that each of you had a person in your life whose advice you respected, who you, in the process of making that decision, spoke with and said, can you please tell me, what would you do? What would you advise me to do? What are some things I need to think about in this decision? You see, whoever it is that you spoke to, assuming that they're a loving and a godly and a wise person, their words in that moment as they helped you, as they counselled you, those words adorned knowledge. <laughs> they would have been words that made what the right thing was to do, what the best thing was to do, look beautiful to you. They would have painted a picture, uh, given their wisdom, their experience perhaps of, of, uh, <laughs> of knowledge, of what is right, of what is good, even if that was the hardest thing for you to do, even if it meant pain to you, even if it meant uh, even suffering to you, The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge. It paints a picture, a beautiful picture of what is right, what is good, what is just. And of course, God's aim with all of us is that the words that we speak will be words that adorns knowledge. (laughs) That we would be the people and become the people others would come to and say, what should I do? I add weight to your words because your words make the right thing look beautiful. Make me want to pursue it. Make me long for it. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, there's a quote, it'll be behind me, says this, the Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him or her. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. His own heart is uncertain, but his brother's is sure. Isn't that beautiful? Christ in our own heart is weaker than the Christ often than in the words of our brothers and sisters. We need to hear words of wisdom from others to us because those words adorn knowledge. They remind us of God's truth. They assure us of his love. They convict us of our sin if necessary. And they comfort us when we're hurting. Do you have wise people in your life whose words adorn knowledge? Are you becoming a wise person who will lovingly and truthfully adorn knowledge with your words where God asks you to? That's the question. The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. That's our second proverb, and now for the last. A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. I think that's a particularly powerful truth in the life of churches. You're part of a beautiful church, I'm part of a beautiful church and in church life, I think this proverb is very relevant. Actually, it's relevant everywhere, but particularly for churches. A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Here's what I mean. Ray Ortlund, uh one of the writers on the Proverbs, writes this. He says, adultery, for example is perceived by most churches as a serious sin, and it is. But I have never seen adultery send a whole church into meltdown. Gossip, by contrast, is often perceived as a little sin, but it destroys churches. Do you know how many people it takes to split a church or a ministry or a group or a friends or family? Not half the congregation? No, just two. One, to start spreading the fiery negativity and another, not to confront that behaviour as the sin that it is. (laughs) You know, we live in an age of freedom of speech and for the most part, politically, that's a good thing. But do we recognise that if you're a Christian, you're not free to say what you want? (laughs) You're free to say what Jesus wants. (laughs) That's what you're free to say. We are uh, drawn, I don't want to say bound, I want to say drawn, um, bound by love for Jesus, if you like, to to speak what Jesus wants us to speak. Katrina pictured that so beautifully in in the kids' talk this morning. And the truth is that, especially for, for churches, what we speak to each other and how we speak about each other and how we speak about our church, those words have the power to either be a tree of life, it's either going to bring life, stimulate life, build life, encourage life, or it's going to crush the spirit. <laughs> Our words about each other, about God, can enhance life or they can bring death. It's as simple as that. It's what this proverb is trying to say. Our words are extremely Powerful, a community who only ever speaks about each other, what Christ wants. And a community is willing to listen only to what Christ wants, is a tree of life. That's what the proverb says. It's a place where people say, I feel safe, I feel loved here, I can feel the life here. Are you a person who loves to speak badly of other people? or they work when they're not present. Stop it, that's what the Proverbs saying. You're a destroyer of life. (laughs) Are you a person who listens to gossip, slander, useless talk about other people behind their backs? Quit it. Listening to that is just as bad as speaking it. You're a crusher of the spirit. Do you have unresolved issues with a person or a group of whom you speak ill? Then be courageous, do the right thing, take it up with them in person, with the help of others if needed. We love to say that time heals all wounds. It's not really true. Words heal wounds. Words bring life. (laughs) Words are a tree of life, or they can crush the spirit. There you have it, three Proverbs giving some wisdom on how we use words. There's a wealth of them. And please, as you read Proverbs, seek them out, mark them, get the unique lesson that each one wants to teach about words. But I'm going to finish with uh, with the final proverb that deals about words and. I'll do so with an illustration. I felt a little awkward this morning. I walked in here and I had to kind of uh, hide something because it would be awkward if I get seen with it. It's a knife and it's not really nice to walk into a church with a knife. Um, <laughs> um, well, I've, I have friends and I walked out, friends from Queensland staying with us this morning and they, I left home and I said, I'm preaching in this church today and I left with a knife and they said, why do you have a knife? I said, it's a rough place. Alston, you better, better come prepared. <laughs> Just a joke. Um, is this, you know, the question I want to hold with this knife, I mean it's a sharp knife, it's a, it's a, it's a vicious looking knife, it works well for steaks, actually, uh, and it's a steak knife. But is this knife sharp and pointy though it is, you know, is this a good thing or is it a bad thing? It can be both, can't it? It's with this knife that life can be uh, taken or it's with this knife that the food that sustains life can be protected or or enhanced or fed. It's with this life that uh, bodies can be mutilated and it's with a knife that... Life can be saved on the operation table. It's, it all depends on the hand that this knife is in. And I put it to you this morning that words are no different. Proverbs 15 verse 7 says this, The lips of the wise spread knowledge, but the hearts, the hearts of fools, gushes, are not upright. See, the heart is the hand that holds the knife. It's our hearts that determine how we use words. (laughs) And the Gospel is not interested in regulating or censoring how we use words. The Gospel is interested in far more than that. It's interested in changing our hearts. (laughs) It's the power and the beauty and the glory of the Gospel. Uh, Hebrews 10 verse 16, I love this. This is the covenant. This is the deal God says I'm going to make with my people after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts. And I will write them on their minds. God says, I'm going to change their hearts. I'm going to put the knife in a new set of hands. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ensure that my people will be able to use the knife for everything that's good, not because they doggedly will be beaten into submission. No, I'm going to lovingly make them new. I'm going to give them (laughs) new hearts. And so the... The beauty of this is that we can read Proverbs about words, we can read Proverbs about anything and I'm sure Julian right now perhaps and myself over the next few weeks will come back to this time and time again. Katrina bore it out beautifully. We cannot live up to the wisdom of the Proverbs but in the Gospel God makes us a promise. He says, yes, you're right, you can't but you bet I'm going to change you. You bet the way you speak the longer you know me, is going to get better and better and better and better because I'm changing your heart. I am making you new as I'm making all things new. And so take that from today. As you struggle and as Katrina said, you know, as we keep stuffing up, as we fail to avert anger, as we fail to listen, as we fail to sometimes be trees of life in our conversations, uh, as we fail to adorn knowledge, uh, be reminded that each time we fail that we turn to Christ. Jesus, help me. <laughs> help me next time to do better and continue your work in me. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much that you're a God who uh, who seeks our hearts, who reaches out to our hearts, who captures our hearts with your your beauty <laughs> draws us in. Thank you so much for that. And we just want to today perhaps start this prayer where the sermon finished and say we give you our hearts. Um, thank you that you arrested our hearts and took lay hold and lay claim of them for many of us a long time ago, for some of us only recently and perhaps some of us have still yet to experience how you capture our hearts But Lord, we seek from that point on that you'd shape the way we talk. Fill our words. Let us not waste a single word. Let every one of them promote life, adorn knowledge and avert anger and wrath. Thank you that we have the hope for that because we're filled with your spirit in Jesus name we pray amen i'd like to invite the music team up we're going to sing our next song holy spirit living breath of god and as they come up let's all stand and we'll uh, and we'll sing together